you know, the, the spirit of generosity is always contagious. That's what Ignite Hope is all about. And I know you ignite hope everywhere you go. And I hope today that I can ignite hope in, in, in all of you that are watching and listening today. Uh, can we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? Because you've been sitting a while. I think you need to stand, uh, get a little exercise. This is a moving church. We ought to bring Fitbits in the church because you ought to be moving. You shouldn't be standing like a, like a wooden Indian and then go to football games and scream like a Comanche. You need to be moving and get you going. So uh, I'm, I'm having you stand, not to be holy, just because I think you need to stand. So as we stand together, I'm going to read out of the book of Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. You can follow along on your Bible or look on the screen, but it's talking about the cross. And it says, but God forbid that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified unto me and I to the world. I want to talk to you this morning for our short time together about the wonder of the cross. As we end this year and get into a new decade, we've got to take the cross over so we can have freedom and joy and peace in everything that the cross has given us because it is the wonderful beauty of the cross. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. Let every word that Joey says, let it fall to the ground and let every word that comes forth from you change our hearts forever. Let us leave here today changed with the wonder of the cross. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you really lost weight, I swear. The holidays have been good to you. They've been super cool to you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, maybe you too, I don't know. I just, wanna, I just want you to think about something this morning. Oh, I'm full of it, all right. I got lots of jokes, lots of jokes. Some are funny, some are not funny. But I have the ability today to give you the, a, a, a brief description through the help of the Lord about the beauty of God and how he sees you. Because how you see God is really important, but you have to first realize how God sees you. Because if you don't have a, a, an impression of God cheering you on, you really got a distorted impression of who God is. God is not up in heaven with a baseball bat and a, and a, and a stopwatch and a calendar to, to write your name out of the Lamb's Book of Life and in the Lamb's Book of Life and an eraser in one hand and a, and, a, and, a, and a discretionary pen in the other. God is cheering you on and he is encouraging you all along the way. You have to see God as a, as a wonderful contributor and a wonderful father to help you in your day-to-day -day life. It's hard in that concept, though, if we're raised certain ways, because we see God through the eyes that we may have seen an absentee father. We see God through the eyes of maybe religious traditions of men or... I was so anointed, I wore the battery down. <laughs> but in that, it's difficult for God to, to show himself mightily on our behalf when we have a distorted a perception of who God is. But I want you to think about something. Because of the beauty of the cross, we now have peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, but such as I have, I give it unto you. How did he give that peace? Through the cross. Not only do we have peace with God, but we also have prosperity. The Bible says that Jesus became poor for our benefit on this earth. But the question is asked, when did he become poor? And when where did he become poor? 
Friends, he became poor at the cross. He took your poverty and my poverty and he gave us the riches of Abraham. And as a result of that, you and I have the distinguished honor to be heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're not an heir apparent. An heir apparent means that we're going to get it down the road. That's not what we are. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. That means everything that he has because of the cross, we can have. What a glorious exchange that was at the cross. What an exchange that God had. All of my pain for all of his healing. All of my poverty for all of his prosperity. All of my rejection and betrayal and all of my sin for his freedom, his acceptance, and his joy. He paid a debt he did not owe and we owed a debt we could never pay. And at Calvary, we made the great exchange. So think about that. Because many people, when they think about the cross, they think about a reflection of, of a, a cruel person, a cruelty that was hanging on a cruel Roman cross that was Savior forgiveness of sin, but not really a part of life. So how do you see the cross? Many people see it as a tattoo on their arm or, or a medallion on their a status symbol that they can wear around their neck. Many people see it as a, a reflection on forgiveness of sin. But I think there's more to that. I think the cross is more than just forgiveness of sin. I think the cross is really a way of life. And there's a difference between Jesus as Savior to forgive us of our sin and accepting him as Lord. Because when he's Lord, then he gives us direction for our lives. He gives us direction for our home. He gives us guidance and security in the day-to-day -day life. And the struggles of our disappointment, when he's more than a Savior and he becomes Lord, he becomes our all in all, our everything. That means when we're down, he's there to lift us up. That means when we make mistakes, he's there to forgive us. That when we're sick in body, he's there to heal us. When we in enter into a place of depression, he brings joy and speakable and full of glory. That's the Savior and a deliverer and Lord. He is more than just the Savior. He is Lord of all. Can I get a witness this morning? So I think that's important, but I think it's a matter of how you see Jesus. How do you see it? Because the dispensation that we're in is called the dispensation of grace. The dispensation of grace is important because after the cross is where we enter into grace. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. And entering into the next year, I believe we're going to enter into a new dimension of God's favor. A new dimension of God's grace. God's acceptance, God's love, God's healing, God's power, and God's anointing. And the cross saves us from, from so many things. It gives us freedom through addictions, freedom through depression, freedom through all those things, but it really gives us freedom through legalism. Legalism is what we call man-made rules to obtain righteousness with God. Man-made rules to obtain righteousness with God. So some people have been raised certain ways where they think, I got to pray more so I can obtain favor with God. I got to give more so I can obtain favor with God. I got to come to church more so I can obtain favor with God. If what you do predicates your favor, then Jesus went to the cross in vain. It's not what you've done or what you do that makes you holy. It's what Jesus has done for you at the cross that makes us holy. And that's important because some of us don't realize that at the cross, we became righteous, not because of who we are, but because of what he has done. And if righteousness comes by the law, means legalism, then Christ died in vain. 
That means you cannot be saved by what you do. You can't be saved by what you wear or the color of your hair. You're not favored because you have hair. Who do you think you are? You're not favored because you, you, you dye it or you buy it like Jennifer. You're not favored. <laughs> Sorry, Jennifer. You're not favored. Well, actually, I bought it. No, I didn't buy it. But you're not favored by, by things that you do, by praying two hours a day or, or 15 hours a day, or you're, you're favored because you live right, you act right, you're done right. You're not favored by any of that. You're favored by what happened at the cross. How do you see God? Because if you see him as a doting grandfather sitting benignly in the heavens, laughing at every silly thing you do, you're not seeing God properly. Or if you see him as a, as a, as a mean, angry God. I, I think about when people talk about grace, they talk about love, or they preach this wonderful gospel, and they look like they're angry. Or they look like they're mad at somebody. Or they look like they're glad that you're going to hell. You look at their face, and they look like they just got back. You have to see this in God's way. God gave us this freedom over man-made rules. You do not obtain righteousness by man-made rules. You obtain right standing by coming to a place of saying, God, I can't, but you can. God hates legalism. Because if you can be saved by man-made rules, then Christ went to the cross in vain. And friends, he didn't go to the cross in vain. He came to the cross so you can live through him. He became a substitutionary death so you and I can have life and everlasting life and have that life more abundantly. So that's important. Because you have to see yourself this new year as an overcomer. You have to see yourself this new year as a victorious person. Not an old whiner, not an old wimp, but a warrior in the kingdom of God. You have to let go of the things that hurt you and let God use it to help you. You have to let go of the bitterness of the past. You can't go into the new year dragging old luggage, dragging old people with you that aren't designed or destined to go with you in 2020. Some people, they take old baggage, old mindsets, old relationships, and they take it in to a new place that God has for them, never realizing that God wants to establish in you freedom. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So don't let anybody take your joy from you. How many of you know people will take the joy of the Lord from you in a hurry? And many times we take it from ourselves because of our mistakes, our failures, our past, what we've done wrong, what we've said, what we should have said, and we take our joy from you. But you shouldn't let this new year come and go without you coming to a place of Calvary and surrendering him to him as Lord, not just Savior. we got too many Christians running around that are saved on their way to heaven, but not free. They're saved. They're on their way to heaven. They're right with God, but they're not free. They're not free in grace. They're not free in the anointing. They're not free in prosperity. They're not free in generosity. They're not free in forgiveness. They're not free from that depression. They're not free from that anxiety. You're saved, but you're not free. I'm telling you, 2020, let it be a year of freedom where the sun sets you free once and for all. Satan starts these time of year, he starts to remind you of the past, what you've done, what you should have done. But God wants to show you your future. 
There's a reason this new year is coming, because God wants to show us future, a future that's filled with favor. I think a future that's filled with hope. I think there's a future filled with peace, a future that's filled with love, not because of a political candidate, not because of a Republican Party or a Democratic Party or an independent party, but because of the kingdom of God and of that kingdom, there shall be no end. Satan wants to remind you of the past, but let God remind you of the future. The word of God says you do not know the good things I planned for you, plans to give you hope, plans to give you a future. But think about that. But that starts with right thinking because your future has to move into you before you can move into your future. Your future has to move into you before you can ever move into your future. You can't let Stockton or the situation surrounding you, your home, your family, your life start to dictate to you. You have to learn to dictate to it. You have to let your future move into you first before the future will come your way. I think that's important because when you abandon grace, you're letting hold, you're, you're, you're holding on to man-made rules. Man-made rules would already have you kicked out. Man-made rules would already have you less than. Man-made rules would already say, you're disqualified, you didn't qualify, you don't do enough, you don't pray enough, you're not faithful enough, you don't give enough, you're stingy. You don't qualify because how you look. You don't qualify because what you say. And that's not the grace of God. That's not who God is. That's the message that I'm trying to communicate to us today. The message of freedom. It's the greatest message in the word of God. It's the message of God's amazing grace. Because that's what Calvary is all about. If you see Calvary, what you really should see is grace. God looked at people with the eyes of grace. Wasn't it God in the Old Testament that looked by, at a man by the name of Abram? He was an idolater. He was way far out. God changed his name to Abraham and made him the father of many nations. And he went down and had supper with him. What's the point? The point is God looked past Abraham's faults and saw his potential. God is looking beyond your faults today, your mistakes, your bad habits, your addictive personality, your bad vocal, I don't even want to go there, but your all that bad stuff. And he sees your potential. He sees what you could become. He looked beyond my faults. He looked beyond my upbringing. He looked beyond all my mistakes. And he saw Joey Stillman's wonderful potential. He saw his abandonment to the things of this world and his acceptance of the kingdom of God. God looks beyond our faults and he sees nothing but potential. I want you to see that today. Look beyond all your faults. Look beyond all your mistakes. Look beyond the things of how you were raised or what you didn't get when you were younger. Your daddy didn't love you. Your mama didn't give you enough chocolate chip cookies. That's why you're now a serial killer. Let all that stuff go and now embrace the grace of Almighty God. I'm preaching a lot better than you're letting on, but it's cool. God looked at a guy by the name of Jacob, and Jacob was a trickster. He was a deceiver. Jacob was a guy who was a get-rich-quick scheme guy. He was a guy that if he was in the 21st century, he would certainly be an influencer on social media. He would have all the latest gimmicks and gadgets. He would be on the social commercial. He would be selling you this latest salve that would cure everything from a broken arm to cure the mange. He would give you all this stuff if you just buy my product. If he was a minister, he would be out there selling you the snake oil, giving you the, the oil anointing from Lebanon if you give a $20 seed and he'll give you this special prayer cloth that will supernaturally heal you if you just give money. That's Jacob. That's Jacob. 
And he's a trickster. He's a deceiver. And God says, I don't see you as a trickster and deceiver, Jacob. I see you as Israel. I see you as the father of many nations. And out of Jacob's seed, out of Jacob came prophets and pastors and the seed of Abraham. Out of this trickster, God looked beyond his faults and saw Jacob, Israel's wonderful potential. Saw the prophets, saw the changing of the world through one man. Jesus looked at a prostitute one day. She was caught in the act of adultery. This was a death sentence in those days. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn her. Go and sin no more. The point is Jesus is sinless. He's perfect. He's God incarnate. He's absolutely perfect. The point is Jesus in his sinless perfection. He doesn't criticize her. He doesn't talk about her. He doesn't blast her on social media. He loved her in spite of her sin. He saved her from her sin. You know why? Because he was willing to give her love even though she didn't deserve it. And loved her even though she didn't think she had it coming. There's an interesting passage of scripture in Luke 15.1. The Bible says, and the prostitutes and sinners, they drew near to Jesus. Why is that important? Because in those days, if you were a holy man, a righteous man, a teacher of the law of Moses, you couldn't be around those type of people. And what Jesus was doing, he was letting those people come around him that the society said that were cast out and unwanted to show the grace and love of Jesus. To show that beyond your upbringing, beyond your understanding, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, no matter mistakes you've made, no matter if you're up and out or down and out, God has something for you. He can forgive you and he calls you his very own. God has a great plan for your life. But you have to see that first. And you have to believe that before you can ever get that. That's important, isn't it? Because God gave a man in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph a dream. And in this dream, Joseph saw himself as a leader. Joseph saw himself in a position of authority. He saw himself as a successful person. And you know what happened? It came true. But he had to go through difficulty because it had to become a reality through the pain of the day to day. Isn't it true for many of us? We want it now. We want get rich now. We want houses we didn't build now. Wells we didn't dig now. Vineyards we didn't plant now. A successful marriage now. We want children that don't act up now. We want a ministry to the world now. And God says, you wait upon me. Your greatest days are ahead. You're in a trial, a season. You're at Whale University, Jonah. But I've got better things coming for you. I've got a house you didn't build. That's right. I've got a vineyard you didn't plant. It's yours for the taking. I've got wells you didn't dig. Let it come and let the rising of the Lord and the anointing of God come upon you in Jesus' name. As Stevie comes and we get ready to close our time, I think that's important because Jesus had a picture of something called joy in the midst of his pain. Remember that old Rob Bay song? Joy and pain. Some of you are singing it. Sunshine and rain. Sing it now, God's children. But he wasn't God's child. But Rob Bass knew how to get down. I don't even know why I'm going there. I messed the whole sermon up. Get back holy. Let me get back holy. Now I'm thinking about like how I could dance to it. I can't dance though, y'all. I can't dance. But Jesus had a picture of joy, but it had to come through pain. Hebrews chapter 12 says, said the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So there was something in that year that was painful. There was something that he was going through that was difficult. 
but he saw beyond the pain, he saw beyond the difficulty, and he saw you and I. He saw joy. He saw our lives coming to a, to a place of, of completion. He saw destinies being fulfilled. He saw the enemy having no more hold on God's people. He saw joy, but he had to go through pain to get to that joy. And I say to you today, I want you to get a Holy Spirit anointed vision of your vision of your future in 2020. I want you to get a vision of that. I don't want you to think of, oh, the shoe's going to drop on the other foot and it, all hell's going to break loose next year because it was bad this year and it's coming worse next year. You can't start, you can't think like this world thinks. You need to stop acting like this world acts and talking like this old filthy world talks. And you need to change your mind and change your perspective and get a Holy Spirit anointed vision of your future. Get a picture this morning of absolute victory. How about a picture of divine health and healing of God over your family, over your life, over your children and your children's children now and forevermore. Get a picture of financial abundance where the Lord starts providing for you supernaturally where you're no longer a borrower. You're now a lender to the things of God. Recognize it's God's pleasure for you to prosper in all things. Get a vision of your enemies coming in one way, but having to scatter seven ways because God, like a flood, has raised it up a standard against the enemy, and now he's come to nothing. Get a vision of your marriage, or maybe you're wanting to be married, and you get God's man, God's woman, and a great relationship, and maybe your marriage is difficult. Get a vision of your marriage being reconciled, being whole, come back again, where God restores back that marriage. Get a vision of that. Start speaking that. Catch a personal vision, a vision of freedom, a vision of freedom over all forms of addiction, all forms of disease, all forms of inadequacy, for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Get a vision of freedom over fear, freedom over the things that have come against you, the giants that have come. Get a vision of freedom over your future, over your past, and over your present. Get a vision of freedom over the enemy's schemes against you. Get a vision of household salvation, for they will all be saved because of your salvation. Get a vision of reconciliation and freedom like never known before. And finally, I want you to get a freedom. Come on, Stevie, if you would, please come back up and we'll close. And the team, just come back up and join them because we'll get right into it. I want you to get a vision of seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus face to face. There's coming a day for all believers where you're going to see Jesus face to face in the wonder of heaven. I preached that on the first Sunday in December and it was fuego. It was so amazing. I had people tell me that was the most amazing message on heaven I've ever heard. And I said, thank you. What's the point? You need to get a vision of heaven so you can be heavenly minded, so you can do the earth good. Stop low level living and thinking like this world thinks and get a vision of Jesus. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. Jesus is complete in you and you can be complete in him. Get a vision of that. Get a vision of heaven with your family members, your mama, your daddy, your uncles, your aunties, your cousins, your, your grandparents who have all passed. Get a vision of that. What glorious day that will be. Get a vision of that anointing of God that gives you protection, that gives you provision, that gives you an assignment. That anointing of God that seals your fate, seals your life and gives you the the things you don't even realize you need, but the anointing of God breaks the yoke every time. Get a vision of that. Because friends, no one can function without that anointing of God over your life. 
God has anointed his people. And nobody functions without that anointing, not even Jesus himself. Do you know when Jesus was on this earth, the Bible says in Luke 4.18 that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. This is Jesus speaking. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Not just people who don't have anything, but people who are poor in spirit. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is Jesus talking. To proclaim liberty to the captive. To recover sight to the blind. Not just physical sight, but revelation. Sight. You see things that other people don't see. You can go where other people do not go and do what other people cannot do. Recovering sight. God's children, the church, needs to gain its Holy Spirit sight. To see the days in which we live. The time, the chaoticness of these days is where the church needs to shine greater. I think that's important to recover sight to the blind, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That means people that are living in depression and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I believe 2020 is a day that God ordained on his prophetic calendar for the acceptable year of the Lord. A day where God says, this is going to be a year where it's going to be my divine blessing, my power, my miracles upon my children and the anointing of God to rest upon them. As the days get darker, I'm going to shine the light brighter for my church and the church will be recognized and be rewarded for it's no compromising lifestyle, no compromising in their words, no compromising in their standards. The church will be raising up to a new level of anointing, a new dimension of freedom freedom, a new dimension of words, a new dimension of power, where God says, I will anoint my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that anointing we all need, and we need a fresh anointing. How many of you know we're leaky vessels? Some of us had a lot of leaks in 2019. Some of you have been shanked more times than I, I don't know what to count. Shanked here, shanked there. You've been all shanked up. You've been shanked more than a prison yard, northerner and a southerner fighting together. Some of you get that on the drive home. But how did Jesus get it? The Bible says that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. Acts 1 and 8, you'll receive that power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's already came upon you at the cross. You're not waiting for some magical moment. All the, ooh, oh. You already have it. How about using it? The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Ghost and fire. We have a lot of Christians that are filled with the Holy Ghost, but they have no fire. They have the spark for the wrong things. They ignite for the wrong things. And I believe that 2020, where God's going to ignite the fire in his church yet again, where the anointing of God brings fire, not religious smoke, not religious traditions of nonsense, of people who believe half the Bible, or they take bits and pieces out and they cafeteria pick their what they like here and what they don't like over here, and they start cafeteria. Yes, please, I want meat, but no, I don't want any of that tithing stuff. Oh, I have a little bit of this houses I didn't build, but I don't want to support anybody else's house. No, no. I I like this commitment stuff for me and the Lord, but not my commitment to church. I don't want any of that. How about taking it all? Saying, I'll just take it all, Lord. Whatever you have, pour it on me. Give it to me. Ignite a fire within me. Ignite a fire within me. I've, I read this passage of Scripture, and I didn't do it in the first service because they're not good like you. But 
I was thinking about when David was a teenage boy. He had no idea that the prophet Samuel was gonna come and take that anointing oil, that horn of oil. There was, it was a ram's horn and it was filled with oil and no idea that God had picked David, the shepherd boy, a teenager, 17 years old at the time, and was gonna pour that oil on him and anoint him to be the next king of Israel. There was no way you could have told David, you're gonna slay giants, you're gonna conquer kingdoms, and you're gonna lift God high up, and your descendant will reign forever and forever, Jesus Christ. There was no way when he was 17 years old, taken out of that shepherd's field, and that prophet took that oil from that horn and poured it upon him. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. That fire of that anointing was upon him. He didn't fully understand it, just like some of you don't fully understand all the stuff you've been going through, all the difficulties, all the past, all the mistakes. You can't fully understand it. You can't explain why people walked out. You can't explain why you were raised this way. You can't explain why this thing has come upon you. But just like David, that boy became a man and it shook the world. He came to this place of Goliath, this monster, and because of that anointing, he said, you come to me with a sword and the spear, I come to you in the name of the Lord. It was that anointing that drove that power it was that anointing that empowered David to conquer Jerusalem it was that anointing that caused him to kill to to stop from hurting Saul to stop doing certain things it was the anointing that did that because when you become anointed you always come into conflict there's always going to be conflict because you can't have a conquest without a conflict you can't have a victory without a fight you can't have a crown till you go to the cross. And there's something that all of us must do. We must surrender those areas that we feel inadequate, that we don't measure up, those areas that we feel like I can't do it, and we gotta take them to the cross. If you could be free, you would have already been free. If you could be healed, you'd have already been healed. If you could have been a better this or a better that, wouldn't you have already done it? Of course we would. We can't do it on our own. We can't take our next breath without God's permission. Jesus said something interesting. He said, this world, it hated me. And the world that hated me, it's going to hate you. He's not talking about people at Walmart not liking you because you got a I'm blessed hashtag shirt. I'm and you're not acting blessed, okay? Or I love Jesus shirt and you're acting like Diablo. I'm always leery of I love Jesus hats. I'm like, he ain't going to act like Jesus, I promise. That hat is an indicator. All is not well. <laughs> Sorry, that's my personal opinion. I may have it or I'm going to tell you, I have it. I don't even want to go with the Santa hats, but I have my theory as well. Some of you can pay me and I'll tell you my theory on Santa hats. I have a theory. But Jesus said, the world hated me and it will hate you. He's not talking about people because we're to love people. We're to take people at their absolute best or at their absolute worst. And we're to take them in. And I don't mean in our homes. I'm not referring to that. You got to have discernment. I'm not referring to that. Like take them in your home. No, no, I'm not referring to that. I'm to take them in, to love them, take them in, bring them to church. Everybody can come to church. Not everybody can come to your home. That's just a teaching for a later date, but don't let, don't let a rebellious Jonah in your home. Everything will get tipped over. I'm not referring, I'm, I'm referring to anybody, right? So think about this. 
Jesus said, the world hated me and it's going to hate you. The system of this world, the mindsets, the things that are trying to tear you down, it hates me because I travel at a different level. I travel at a different aerial rate, an aerial altitude. I'm at a different altitude than this world. And if God's people would realize that they can live at a different altitude, then that same world system that hated Jesus, it's going to hate you because you got a smile even though you should be frowning. You're kind even though they've just treated you like a jerk. You're graceful even though they betrayed you and lied about you. You do not operate in the things of this world because you are not like them. You are like Jesus. That's the key. That's the key that will set you free. And here's what the anointing does in closing. I'm talking about that anointing oil. That, that's a symbolic thing, by the way. It's not, it's not when the oil hits me, wow. It's a symbolic thing of, of sealing the deal that's already in your heart. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes, I'm not referring to once I touch you with this dab, you're going to be supernatural. If you receive it, you can be, but you have to receive it. I can dash you with, with money. You have to take the money. I can, I can give you a stinky and you got to take a shower. So you, you got you to discern what you put on you. So think about this. What does the anointing do? That anointing that symbolizes that oil of that oil of, of the anointing, that, that symbolizes something. It kills the curse of poverty. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me as he anointed me. That anointing kills poverty. That anointing heals the broken heart. Jesus said he's anointed me to heal the broken heart. When you become anointed, it breaks that poverty mentality, that Stockton mentality that, that thinks you don't deserve those Jordans. You don't deserve those outfits. You don't deserve that nice house. You don't deserve those children. You don't deserve any of that. You don't deserve to live there. You don't deserve to drive that. See, that's the poverty issue. That's the mentality in the systems of this world that Jesus said. That system hates me because I'm extravagant. It hates me because I'm not like that. I'm not like that. I'm always in tune of what the master wants. If he wants me to be frugal, I'm listening to the master. If he wants me to be extravagant, then I'm buying five sets of Jordans. And I never wear four. But I want you to think about something. If it breaks this spirit on us, don't we want what God wants? It, it heals the brokenhearted. The anointing delivers the captive. It delivers us from what? Sin. Some of you are bound by sin. Some of you are bound by alcohol, drugs, pornography. Some of you are bound by old ways of living and you try so hard to serve God and you just fall right back in. The anointing frees you from all of that past. It heals you. It supernaturally frees you. The anointing of the Holy Spirit also gives you insight to the future. Do you want to know what's going to happen in 2020? The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. He will equip you in all things and teach you. The anointing gives what we call in church discernment. Discerning people, discerning others, how to have discernment with relationships, how to have discernment of saying no to this and yes to that. The first sign of power a man or woman has are the things they can say no to. The freedom that we have are found in the no. No to the things of this world. No to that addiction. No to that toxic relationship. No to not coming to church. No to those things of this world. I'm not doing that, Satan. No. No, no, no. That's a tattoo y'all should get. No. 
no. Somebody say, look at that. Say, no. They're trying to hit on you. Say, no. Now think about this. Because if it gives us insight to the future, then it gives us liberty. Because the anointing brings us liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's spiritual, physical, emotional freedom. But do you know it also brings healing? I'd love to anoint you today because I believe you do not need to go to 2020 with sickness in your body. The anointing brings healing. You know, that separates a lot of people when they start living in this dimension because I believe from cover to cover that book is true. And that anointing brings divine healing out of James 5, 16 and 17. And that anointing also brings joy. Hebrew calls it the oil of gladness. And we need joy. 2020, we need joy. Some of you, if you don't have joy, I just say you don't have Jesus. You need joy. Don't go around looking like an old Missouri mule. I love Jesus. If you love Jesus, notify your face. Just telling you. Notify this. That this is saved. I'm not even, I had another line, but I'm not going to go there. I'm going to stay holy. I was going to say something else, but I'm just sanctified myself, our Lord. I'm going to say notify something else, you sinners. Anyway, I'm going to go on. But not only does it bring healing, not only does it bring joy, but the anointing of God brings unity. Unity in your family. Unity in the church. Unity in the home. The Bible says in Psalms 133, how blessed it is for brethren and sister to dwell together. How pleasant for those who dwell together in unity. It says it's like the precious anointment upon the head, the beard of Aaron. Why is Aaron important? Because he was the high priest. And he represented God to the people. And because that anointing was on Aaron's beard from the top down, it represented God's flowing power that comes from the top down to his people. We no longer have a high priest of man. We have a high priest of God. His name is Jesus. And because of that high priest, God has exalted him and given him a name above every name. And because of that cross, that high priest, he makes intercession for us. And that high priest gives you and I that anointing that we can have freedom. They're back on the screen. You can have them today. Freedom over every form of sickness and disease. Freedom over the curse of poverty. Freedom over all forms of addiction. Freedom over all forms of, of, of things of not insight into the future where you're trying to understand. Freedom that brings liberty and brings healing. Freedom that brings you joy where you can learn to laugh and be joyful. Not an old sour puss in Jesus' name. You don't want to be like that. And freedom that brings you unity where you can have unity the world can have diversity but the world can never have unity in world standards we can have diversity this ethnicity this ethnicity this sir and the world has diversity but they can never have unity only under the banner of the cross can we have diversity all walks of life all tribes kindreds and tongue and have unity because of the anointing of Almighty God. You received that word this morning? I know that you do.